You know you've got to sing along. But don't you know something? You've got to something. Don't you know something? You've got to something. This is the Cabinet's HR Culture Podcast, hosted by Daniela Young. Join Daniela as she has great conversations with people on the importance of culture and leadership and organizational behavior. You will hear the great, the bad, and the ugly as she talks to a huge variety of guests in different fields. Are you looking for ways to improve your culture? Then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinet's HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinet's HR. At Kevness HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Come to CavanaughHR.com to see how Kevness HR can take care of your HR so you can focus on building your company and taking care of your customers. Remember to be great every day. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Cabinets HR Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Daniela Young. I have with me today, Sharon Ria. Sharon is a certified life and family coach, author, speaker, and the owner of The Whole Family Coaching. She's a compassionate woman with a strong business background in communications, education, childcare, and public service. Sharon is an expert in solutions for families raising teens, moms and dads co-parenting after divorce, grandparents raising grandkids, multi-generational families, and every caregiver ready to enhance the bonds within their immediate and extended family. She's also on a serious mission to make the world a better place as founder of the global movement, No Judgment, Just Love, inspiring us all to live together with unconditional allowance one courageous action at a time. When you connect with Sharon, she helps you know for sure that peace in your family and in the world, both are possible. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And tell us something that you're working on right now that's very exciting. Oh, thank you, Daniela. I'm really excited to be here today. I am working on something that is kind of new for co-parents. That's one of the families that I work with. And co-parents right now here in Arizona, when they are just getting divorced or if they change their parenting plan, they have to take something called uh, a parenting class. It's a course that's about four hours all together. They do it separately because they're not really having any uh, get together. But what I'm doing is a co-parenting course after that because parenting is difficult when you're in two different families after your divorce. There's competition, there's jealousy. Why don't they love me more? How come they love you? And so there are some skills and some mind shifts that would help parents really understand that they have to take care of themselves first. Because many of these courses talk about pay attention to the child, which is part of the plan. The other part is when you, just like an airline, put your own oxygen mask on first, then you can clearly see what your child needs. So this course is online. It's live taught by me. And it's only four times, once a month, once a week for a month, eight moms and eight dads. And I am thrilled to be able to offer this. I've been teaching it for about eight years in person, and now I want to go global. 
Lovely. It's, you know, so interesting and so important. And I just, as you were talking, I'm like picturing my own family and my husband and my daughter's relationship, which is different than mine and sometimes makes me a little jealous. And we're still in one family. So I can't even imagine sort of the complications that could arise from co-parenting. Um, I do know as a military spouse and my husband's kind of on this constant deployment. So I end up single parenting a lot. And what you talked about, about self-care and taking care of yourself first, I think is so relevant to parents. And then also, you know, this is something we talk about on this show quite often in regards to sort of leadership and workplace culture too, which is the, the leader, of course, has to take care of, you know, put the employees first to take care of all his people. But so often we don't stop and take care of ourselves and do the professional development or the coaching or the other things that we need to grow as leaders and to better allow us to help everyone else get their oxygen mask on. So I loved how you put that. Thank you. Um, so we talk a lot on this show about culture, strategy, and planning in any kind of organization. Um, We talk a lot about in the workplace. We've talked about different sorts of groups. So I want to get your opinion on families, family culture, and specifically families in transition. How you see this intentional sort of culture planning, culture building fitting in with what you do or how you coach your clients? It is so important to create a different culture when you are in transition, because just like you said, in a, a family where the mom and dad or whichever the two parents are, are married or they have a commitment with each other together in the same home, even if there's a little competition or you feel like, oh, they're paying attention to the other parents a little more, there's still a global love within that family, understanding that we're all on the same team. Now, when you get into transition through a divorce, particularly different from if someone passed away in the family, you do become two separate, like you said, single parents. You have a dual job because when your children are in your care, You have permission, you have to give it to yourself, but you have permission to be the parent for them based on your strengths, understanding your challenges, because your children need what you have. They need you to be you. They don't need you to try and mimic their other parent because their other parent needs to be them. So when these children are moving back and forth through these different cultures that are sometimes not consciously made, they don't really have a solid footing if the parents don't provide for themselves first a solid footing. So, for instance, in my family, my former husband is very safety conscious, way beyond what I am. And when my, our children would come to our home, and you know how sometimes you have a side window on your front door? Well, I never put curtains there because I like to see the outside. And I could see that my daughter had some stress when she would come to my house, leaving the culture of real lock the doors, be concerned about everybody, environment and culture that she had from her, her father's home. And so it was important for me to recognize she needs that from him, but she doesn't need that from me because that's not me. So I deliberately recognized, so I gave her a little time to adjust to the culture of our house 
when she came home and said, if you need a few minutes to go to your room, if you want to just be quiet, I talked to her about safety from my perspective. So now she had two different views. So interesting, um, because I feel like what you usually hear a lot, um, and I'm not, I mean, a divorced parent, but I feel like the idea that I have that I see in the media or that I hear from other people is you're trying to recreate almost this exact same environment in both houses or the individual parent is trying to stretch themselves or change themselves to be everything that, you know, the other parent was before. And what you're really saying is sort of you just guard that space for their other parent to be in that space. Meanwhile, you are living your best life and your best self. Exactly. And that really leads into the conversation of leadership, because to be a leader, it is, in my opinion, in a family, different from a leader in a corporation or a leader of a country. There's a whole different set of goals there. And you're leading a large amount of people who have different um, perspectives. They have different life values. They have, you know, so you have to have a different skill set as a leader in a corporation. In a family, your leadership requires you, in my view and experience, it requires you to really know who you are because you're leading individual humans <laughs> to become themselves, to become strong in their constitution that they know who they are. This world will <laughs> beat us all up very easily. So we want to provide our children self-confidence, the environment for them to discover that. That takes leadership. We want to provide them the opportunity to be collaborative because in this world right now, we have to work in teams. So they, they will benefit in their seventh, eighth, ninth grade college working in teams for science and literature if they know, hey, I'm the one that is really organized. Don't ask me to write anything. <laughs> but I can help this team by organizing it. And so now they feel empowered in this team instead of just randomly choosing where they can't fully commit their talent to be a successful team member. And that comes from leadership in the parents being able, number one, to create the culture where the parents are comfortable first so that they can provide that comfort for the children and then put your oxygen mask on so you know what is it that you are afraid of? What is it you are still sad about from this divorce? What are you worried about? Because those are your worries. Your children are not many yous. They are many thems. <laughs> and they need different things than you do. So in order to be able to see what they need, you have to be able to differentiate between what's your concern and worry versus what's theirs. I'll give you a quick example. I was very afraid of snakes. Unfortunately, we had one in our house right next to my bed. And so <laughs> I'm like freaking out. Bottom line is I was aware that this is my phobia, not our children's. So when I go and share with them, there's a snake in the house. I can't bring my craziness because now kids follow more what you do than what you say. and so. They're not afraid of snakes, except they would be if I brought all of that with me. Exactly. And, you know, I just to, to reiterate or to say how much I love this concept of 
talking to your children as team members and as, you know, it's almost similar to the way you would do as a leader in a workplace. And I recently did this with my three-year-old and, you know, we were struggling with getting her to sort of make her bed, clean up her things, living in a tiny little RV. So everyone needs to be organized. (laughs) And Finally, we sort of explained to her, you know, you are a team member, you're part of this family, and everyone needs to do their job. And that clicked. And I wouldn't have thought, you know, we had talked about, uh, my husband and I, the strategy of, you know, instead of fighting with her, she can either be on the team or off the team. But we hadn't really started introducing it. And when he started talking to her about it, I was like, she's so young, this is never going to work. But that's what got through to her. And that's, now, every time she doesn't want to, you know, pick something up or do something, it's, hey, do you remember the conversation? And she's like, okay, you know, and she totally gets it. And it's, it's just such an amazing approach, I think, for, for getting children to have the buy-in. Um, and the other thing you mentioned that I thought was really, really important was this you need to continually talk to your kids, right? About, it's not like the divorce just happens one time. It's a continual thing and how they're feeling about it and how they're, you know, continuing to evolve with that just like you are. And that's true for, you know, business leaders, especially some of these smaller companies. That is true for culture where they say that the, the best cultures, you know, it's not the values are one and done. It's the leaders are constantly talking about it. They're constantly reiterating, right? We do these things because we want innovation or, you know, how do you feel? You constantly have to ask people how they feel in order to get them to tell you and restating and reemphasizing and revisiting topics is so, so important. So yes, I really love that, that aspect and that angle. Tell, uh, tell the listeners how you deal with this, uh, this children's perspective, mm. that family culture and that family team, or maybe um, when the perspectives aren't matching up, how would we address that? Well, just like you talked about, leadership requires you to constantly reevaluate what is it we are doing well? What is it we have to incorporate some different shifts? What is it we don't know at all? that we really have to start learning as a team. And children, I think sometimes we parents think children are (laughs) a commodity or they're our property, and we don't really recognize they're a human individual learning to live in this world in the way that they need to live in this world. And so when you're changing and um, wanting to incorporate your children, even at three years old, there has to begin with an awareness that they're going to need and have things different from you. So some of the parenting tools and tips that I help with parents to understand how to do that first is recognizing there are many them. They're not a many you. And so some of the things they do are going to be outside of what you want and outside of what you understand. But if they're going to be a thriving member of this team, of this family, they have to feel like they're valued. And so you you want to give them opportunity to choose the leadership time for themselves so they can practice being a leader at age-appropriate levels. Maybe they get to lead by saying, we're going to have dinner at 3 o'clock today because I want to take a nap, or instead of 5 when we usually do, so that they feel empowered as well. The other thing is patience. Patience is really a virtue when you're a parent because 
we have as the parent, as the leader, we have per, we have a view of what's coming. We know what the day is like. We know what our schedule is. We know what next month is going to come. Well, our children don't have that same view and their world is very different. And so in order to be able to keep the team cohesive and moving together, leaderships have, leaders have to be flexible. They have to be aware that, oh, you're 75 steps behind me. <laughs> I can't keep going forward. I have to pause and let you catch up. And so in the patience of, well, I'd like to talk to my daughter or son about this thing at school, but right now they're having a meltdown. So anything that I say is just going to not get in. But we have this, this, and this in the rest of our day. So as a leader, you have to have the dexterity to be able to move and adjust based on your children and not just lead from what you think is necessary for the day. So important. You know, I remember reading uh, when I was doing all my crazy research mom things before my baby was born. And I remember reading about how when you're when you're frustrated with your kid or you can't understand why they won't stop crying, just try to put yourself in that situation, but as an adult. And I constantly related to like when we're frustrated with kids because they don't want to get dressed or they don't right. want to wear or they don't want to move on time. And I put myself, you know, somebody walked into my house and told me what I had to wear and I had to do it right now. And then they picked me up and walked me out of the house. I would be a little upset, you know, if you came into my house and did that, I would not be happy. And so it's sort of like, it's, it's this really helpful exercise to me to sort of change the way, because just like you were saying, I'm that person that's like very, very scheduled, you know, always on time, I have no flexibility. And I've had to, you know, be a, I've, I've developed that, uh, that skill as a mom, being a bit more flexible. Um, yeah. And, you know, same, same sort of comparison. I love doing leadership and parenting talks because I think people, most people have children or a lot of people have children, even if they haven't been in a leadership position. But then if you think about the same scenario from, you know, you're now the CEO of a company and this is your team. Exactly like you said, like they're, yes, they're your team, but they're not you. They're their own people with their own individual motivations and personalities. And such an important part of your job is balancing that. And I also had never thought about, but I may be stealing this idea of leadership development in young children. Um, yes. You know, one of yes. the things we do at Cabinets HR is culture mapping, which we've talked about, but then also leadership development programs. And I focus on, you know, millennials, people that haven't necessarily, the younger millennials at this point, um, people that haven't necessarily had leadership positions yet and what they can do to step into their leadership. And I think I do some of those similar things with my daughter, but I hadn't actively thought about it this way. So that is perfect. That's great. And now you get a talented pool when they come to you and come to employment because they've been able to practice being a leader in their family. And I think that's one of the things that is, is still a puzzlement to most people. We learn how to be a leader. We learn how to drive our car. We can't wait to learn how to use our new phone. Yet when we become a parent, we learn in the beginning because it's a little pocket of stuff that we don't know how to change the diaper and what's going to be the development. But at some point, we either get disengaged 
we think, oh, they're a teenager now. I can relax and go do my thing. Well, no, we have to develop our parenting skills just along with our young people developing their skills. So we can lead them. We can't get left behind parenting them as if they were still three when they're 17. And that's so true. Uh, I'd heard this somewhere and it reminds me from what you're saying that like most people in the business world, they'll create a plan for their business. They understand you hit different stages at different points and you need different things. But the majority of people don't create a plan for their marriage or for their family and understand that, you know, when you're newlyweds, you're in startup phase. When you're yes. 10 years in and have three kids, that's a different phase. You know, now you're in expansion phase. <laughs> you still need to kind of keep in mind these high level values, mission, where you're going, all of that stuff. Um, yes. Like you mentioned. Absolutely. And, and if you perspective. Say again? Oh, I just said, I think that's a fantastic perspective. Absolutely. And I think we would benefit as parents if we understood this is, this is the most important job you're going to do is raise this human to become thriving, self-loving, and involved in their lives in a way that's beneficial for them to be able to stand up to someone to say no or to say yes and have the courage to live their lives. We have the responsibility as a parent to do this, but we're given the opportunity to do this because no one's really watching you, only the people you allow in to uh, critique you. You get to do, and you don't, have a you don't have a board in front of you, you don't have anybody telling you what milestones to hit. You have the opportunity to create this culture on your own with the people involved. And what I offer to parents is, you know, just like Coca-Cola or Nike has a slogan, get together with your family and come up with a family motto, a family mission. What is it we do well? Who are we? Are we the happy family? Or are we the sad family? Are we the courageous family? Who are we? So everybody has a buy-in. That's, I love that. Uh, I have a family motto. And we're going to have to change it next year when my husband retires, but I, I stole it from somewhere. I saw it written and it was live today like he deploys tomorrow, which oh. is true in our family because he's on a constant special operations thing. But we sort of, we talked about that a lot and we did a lot of work, both us and our kid in thinking, you know, what does this mean? Which is, yeah. you know, don't take things for granted, go out and have, you know, experiences over things, create the memories and sort of like living in this knowledge that it could all be gone, which is true for anyone's family. We just yes. have been really aware of this and have kind of worked it in. And I love that. That is awesome. That motto, motto for your family. Everyone needs one. Yes. <laughs> so real quick, because our time's going, um, talk to us. So you're an author and you have these amazing, amazing journals for children to do self-work, just like you talked about. It's important for adults. It's important for children. Tell us a little bit about those. Yes, I have a, a motto for myself as well as for my business and as well as for the world. It's called No Judgment, Just Love. And it is the foundation for the way I live. It's also how I coach. And that's what this book is about. It's No Judgment, Just Love. It's a coloring journal book. And the reason I made it a combination coloring and journal is because our world is so fast. 
we're, we're in a microwave world. You watch TV, you have six other things going on at a time. And development of a child's brain requires some calm. It requires some space. It requires some peace so they can actually hear their own thoughts. So I wanted to include coloring, which is meditative, and journaling, which helps them not only with their language development, but to get their own thoughts out around a topic that is, in my view, necessary in our world as we move forward. And that is to judge ourselves and each other less so that we can allow people to be who they are and love ourselves and them more. Now, and these books are so beautiful. We'll have links to these in the show notes. I think you're also providing a gift or a discount for listeners today. Is that right? Yes. I create a comfy couch of no judgment, just love for anybody who wants to chat with me. So please, I'm offering a free mini session. Just get to me through my telephone number, email. I'm on almost all the social medias. There's uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, Sharon Ria, the whole family coaching or no judgment, just love. And if you do call me and we have this conversation where anything you can ask, I can help you. I will provide you with a free parenting CD, which talks about some of the things that we explored in this show. Perfect. Well, listeners, look her up. Uh, As you can tell from this episode, just full of value. She's such a wonderful person to talk to. And those books are beautiful. If you didn't get a chance to see it on the video and you're just hearing us on audio, check out these uh, coloring journals for children. They're just wonderful. And And what Amazon, sorry. And they're available on Amazon. And we'll have the links in the show notes on www.cavnishrblog.com. Can you give us one final piece of advice for our listeners? Yes. You matter. Every single one of you. Live from that place. We need you to be you. And we appreciate who you are, but we can't do that until you appreciate who you are. Appreciate who you are. You matter. Such wonderful thoughts. Thank you. And thank you for listening to us. This is Daniela Young from Cadmus HR asking, are you ready to be great today? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cadmus HR Culture Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cadmus HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cadmus HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkavnis at kavnishr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.